welcome to GYSB Talks. I am your host, Carla Palmer, founder and creator of GYSB. Get your sexy back, health and fitness movement. Over 13 years ago, I lost over 50 pounds and on that journey, I found joy, peace and more self-love. That's how the GYSB movement got started because I wanted to share with other people what I had found for myself. And now in my 50s, I'm still on this journey. And now I'm starting to navigate some of the inevitable changes that come with aging. So GYSB Talks will cover topics that will help women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s get to their next level of optimal living. Physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, and in relationships. Guys, I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get into today's topic, shall we? It's GYSB Talks. I'm your host, Carla Palmer. And today, GYSB is going to be talking with beautiful intentions. Shauna Reed. Hi, Shauna. Hi. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good. I'm so glad you could join me. Everybody, Shauna is my sis. So I'm just going to start with that. (laughs) Um, We've been friends for a really long time. And I'm just super excited to have her on the podcast today. And let me give her the proper introduction. Shauna Reed is a licensed clinical social worker who has been in practice for over 25 years. She is the creator of Beautiful Intentions, which encompasses a holistic approach to emotional healing. She utilizes this approach to help her clients understand how their nutrition, physical activity, sleep hygiene, trauma, and stress are impacting their lives. She subsequently guides and supports them with making the necessary changes to live a healthier life, both emotionally and physically. So today we'll be talking to Shauna about sleep hygiene and the importance of getting good sleep. And this is a really important topic for me because Mm -hmm. I am a person, (laughs) as you know, Shauna, (laughs) who doesn't get very good sleep. Um, and it's been a problem for as long as I can remember. So I think a you're lot not of people alone. don't even, what'd you say? I said, you're not alone. She's, I know. You're not alone. That is, is most of us, quite frankly. Well, let's start with what sleep hygiene is, because I know it's a term that a lot of people don't even have never heard of. So what is sleep hygiene exactly? Yeah, sleep hygiene, quite simply, is just, it's just a term that's used to describe the habits and behaviors and environmental factors um, that contribute to good quality sleep. Mm-hmm. So why is sleep hygiene such an important piece of the work that you do with your clients? <sighs> so much happens while we sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of our bodily functions slow down during sleep, including our, our breathing, our heart rate, our body temperature drops, digestion slows down, neurons in the brain actually shrink, right? Mm-hmm. And this is like the prime opportunity for your brain. It just kind of jumps in and, and takes over. It doesn't slow down during this time. It actually revs up and starts cleaning house. So it takes advantage of like, let's say, for example, those smaller neurons, and it uses that space in between them to start pushing toxins out. It's actually quite incredible. It's a lot that goes on when we, when we sleep, um, which wow. is why it is so important. That's crazy. So what you're saying is sleep is an opportunity for us to rebuild and rejuvenate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It is really the time when the most healing 
takes place. It helps you recharge. It increases your capacity for resilience. It, it helps you adapt more easily to change. It helps you connect, make more thoughtful decisions. Um, it increases your energy, helps you feel less overwhelmed, increases your ability to regulate your emotions. It helps you learn. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And, you know, a lot of people who struggle with mental health concerns also struggle with sleep. Mm. Um, sometimes just regulating their sleep and, and improving sleep quality can have a major impact on, on decreasing some of their, their other symptoms. Mm. You know what I've noticed? That's so interesting. I've noticed as I move through my forties and now that I'm in my fifties, that (laughs) my brain doesn't seem to function the way it once did. And I often blame Mm -hmm. it on my age, you know, because as we age, we're like, oh, you know, I'm forgetful because, oh, it's just my age. Or, you know, I can't process things as quickly because it's my age. But what I haven't done is connect my sleep habits that I've carried over, you know, from my teens and my 20s to now. It's just not working for me. It's not working my funk, my brain is not functioning on the few hours of sleep that I've always gotten. So my question for you is how does sleep deprivation impact our ability to function? I'm sure it has something to do with that for me too. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, of course our functioning changes as we, as we age, that's mm-hmm. going to happen. But I think that there are things that we can do to just sort of keep our, our function functioning at its optimal level, right? Mm-hmm. Getting good sleep is definitely one of those things. Um, sleep deprivation and poor quality sleep can, can result in a number of difficulties, um, including things like cognition issues, which includes things like memory problems, difficulty making decisions, mm. problems with reasoning. Um, it can result in sleep deprivation can result in emotional dysregulation, brain fog, fatigue, um, weight gain, which can lead to obesity, which is, Mm. you know, a problem all in itself, right? Diminished Mm. libido, which for some is is a concern, (laughs) (laughs) Um, decreased alertness um, and reaction time. It can result in high blood pressure. Um, it also, you know, sleep deprivation also reduces our immune function, immune function, excuse me, (laughs) and makes us way more susceptible to chronic illnesses like diabetes, heart attack, heart failure, stroke. Um, plus it can also cause an increase in symptoms of depression and anxiety. That is a lot of information. Yeah. So weight gain, I'm sure that's related to cortisol, which we'll talk about later. Um, Mm, yes, in some ways, but yeah, yes and no, you know, um, but yeah. And then decreased alertness and reaction time. Absolutely. So it's like, it's like driving under the influence, basically. It is. It is. I think they say that there it's equal to, I think one night, like staying awake for 24 hours is equal to like a blood alcohol level of 0.1, if Mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's it's pretty significant. And the the number of accidents that, you know, that folks have when they are just tired Mm -hmm. is also pretty outstanding. You know, I Mm guess it's yes. So, yeah, but that decreased alertness and reaction time, certainly, I'm guessing has something to do with it. Wow. And you also talked about um, like the mental part of it. So how is poor sleep directly related to mental health? So your mental health affects your sleep and your sleep affects your mental health, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're bi-directionally related, which means that if one improves or worsens, the other can be affected. 
Um, so let's say that you are someone who struggles with depression. And statistically speaking, um, about 75% of people who who suffer from depression have trouble falling asleep or staying mm-hmm, asleep. Mm-hmm. So if you were to improve your sleep patterns, um, there's a really good chance that you'd see an improvement in your symptoms of depression. Mm-hmm. In addition, if you, or conversely, if you were to improve your symptoms of depression through things like therapy, diet change, physical activity, um, you'd likely see your sleep difficulties diminish. So they really affect one another, right? You improve one, the other is is very likely to improve as well. And I think people just aren't connecting to the two because they don't know. And that's why I wanted to do this episode with you because I want people to be enlightened, you know, so they can continue to do research and they can improve their sleep hygiene. And maybe it'll help with some of the depression that a lot of people have really found themselves in, especially during this pandemic. So I really thought it was important to do this topic. What are some signs of sleep deprivation? Um, So waking up and still feeling tired or groggy, uh, yawning a lot or Mm -hmm. nodding off throughout the day, irritability, um, mood fluctuations, poor concentration, Increased sugar and carb cravings, mm. or just an increased appetite. So here we go back to that, mm-hmm. that you know, obesity thing or in, you know, a potential for weight gain, right? Yeah. Um, a general sense of, of feeling unwell, decreased motivation, increased impulsivity. These are th- some things that you might experience if you've, if you've been deprived even one night's sleep or even just a few hours, you know, in the wow. night. I mean, so, you know, I always say that there are all these, and I always say, but this is true. There are a lot of dimensions to wellness and Mm -hmm. all of those dimensions inform each other. And so I'm, I'm listening to you list off some of these signs of sleep deprivation, and then I'm connecting them to our relationships with other people. Um, our responses to other people Mm. may be triggered by certain things and how we react to those triggers, if we're not getting enough rest, of course, we're going to be irritable. Of course, we're going to be, you know, very upset and like, go off on people because there are other things that are happening with our body, because we haven't gotten enough rest, you Mm -hmm. know, our relationships with our family members, our relationships with our significant other, all of this Mm -hmm. is impacted when you Mm -hmm. don't get enough rest, our employer, all of these things. Yeah. There's, there's so much overlap and I totally agree with you, right? When your sleep suffers, there's so many other areas of your life that as well, your relationships, mm-hmm. your, mm-hmm. your eating, you know, um, your work, your professional life, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's so much that can be affected by, by your sleep, right? And so much that can improve if you improve right. your sleep, like if you're That's able to improve your sleep, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. So some say seven hours is enough sleep. Others say eight. I've even heard as much as nine for children. So I'm wondering if there is an average, like a perfect number of hours of sleep that we should be getting, or does that depend on the individual or does it depend on your age? Yeah, good question. Um, You know, I I think it can all be correct. Mm -hmm. Um, Babies, children, adolescents, they all need more sleep than the average adult. Um, And as we age that number, actually decreases, right? So we need a little less sleep. Um, but let's just say that we're talking about the average adult. There's a lot of research that, that shows that um, six hours or less of sleep per night puts you at greater risk for many of the things that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in addition, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with a condition like heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, lack of sleep actually increases your risk of death. And, you know, this isn't me trying to be morbid here. It's just, it is a reality. Right. And I think that it's important to, for us to talk about, right. Because, Mm -hmm. because, you know, that is the real risk, right. You know, the shorter lifespan, death, that kind of thing. Right. So it's important to really just kind of point that out. Um, as far as how much we actually need as adults, I, I do think it varies. Um, more than six for sure. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> perhaps somewhere between seven and nine hours a night. I think that mm-hmm. it just differs based on who you are as an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's, that's, it's the same with most things in our lives, right? Like what works for me isn't always going to necessarily work for you, right? So it's a lot mm-hmm. of this is about like bioindividuality and who we are as individuals and what works for us. But I would say somewhere between seven and nine hours, no more than nine, because then you start to get into a different issue, yeah. right? When you start okay. to get too much sleep. Okay. Um, but it's really something that you have to test out, you know, and figure yeah. out what's, what's, what's right for you. That's interesting. Cause so that just means, you know, I average about five and a half to six. So I need to just kind of figure out a way and I'm sure we'll go through some some uh, some tips on getting a better night's sleep um, later. So I just need to add another hour somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I should stop scrolling on social media so much at night. Doing uh, yeah. reels, doing my Instagram reels. <laughs> so can we talk about the uh, circadian rhythms and, and what they are and why they're important? Sure. So the circadian rhythms are the approximate 24 hour patterns, the body and brain go through, and it allows for changes in the body's physical and mental states. So these natural processes, um, including the sleep wake cycle, which is what we're focusing on, typically respond to light and dark. Um, So think the rising and the setting of the sun, right? Um, Our bodies for, for optimal health should basically be set to the same cycle, the same rhythm as the sun, which it makes sense, right? Because the sun is the source of life. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't exist. So it's actually quite amazing that we've been sort of set up, you know, to function with that same rhythm, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. With the same rhythm as the, as the source of life. Um, really, you know, um, poor sleep, it, it either disrupts or is a result of the disruption of our circadian rhythms. And as a result, you know, our physical and emotional health can be significantly, significantly compromised. Mm. Um, so it's definitely something that I think we want to focus on. And as we talk about it a little bit more, you'll see that that, you know, sort of learning how to to match the rhythm of the sun becomes very important in in, in sleep hygiene mm-hmm. um, and getting better sleep and getting good sleep, I should say. So speaking of good sleep, can we touch on like hormones like cortisol and melatonin and how they play a major role in our sleep? Sure. You know, I think that that, you know, the body is so complicated, right? Mm-hmm. And there's there's so much to it. But the cortisol, I feel like cortisol and melatonin have become like kind of buzzwords, right? Right. Around, you know, sleep and health and that sort of thing. And 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 both of them are very necessary to to our well being. Both play an important role in immune function. Both are anti inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Um, even cortisol, right? You know, in the right amounts. Um Again, they're just both very important for good health, um, but they each play a different role in our bodies when it comes to the sleep-wake cycle, right? So when it comes to our sleep, um, they each come into play during different times 
of that cycle. Mm. We can we can really kind of think of of cortisol as the simply as like the awake hormone, okay. right? It's the one that we want to be um, produced when we are awake because okay. it helps keep us awake, right? And melatonin is really the like rest and sleep hormone because okay. we want it to be produced when we are, you know, resting and when we're when we're sleeping, right? Mm-hmm. So when cortisol levels are high, melatonin levels should be low. Um, this ideally happens in the morning when the sun rises, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when melatonin levels are high, cortisol levels should be low. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to happen when the sun goes down. So when this synchronicity is, is, is out of whack, that's when you're likely to see these disruptions in, in sleep. Wow. Man, it is complex. <laughs> mm-hmm. It so is. <laughs> are you just are you just somebody who like I know that you're you're a licensed therapist and you're bringing this into your practice, but so you've studied this for quite a while. Well, I've been looking into it because I feel like it's, you know, I feel like it's an important thing to to bring into my practice. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, my approach is a very holistic one, right? And I feel like I am am doing my clients a dis, a disservice if we're not focusing on their eating, if we're not focusing on their sleep, if we're not yeah. focusing on their physical activity in addition to their their trauma and stress, right? Yeah. Because there there's so much overlap in all of those, right? And I think it's, you know, we talked about that bidirectionality, right? You know, like mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much of that within these different buckets right? One affects another, you know? Um, so yeah, it's the sleep piece is really important. And there's so much more, you know, to learn and understand. But I think even with just a basic understanding, yeah. you can improve your, you can improve your sleep and improve so your you, health. We talked about seven things that can impact sleep posi- positively and negatively. So let's, let's go down that list. So let's start with light. Um, the sleep wake cycle or circadian rhythm is all about the cycle of the sun, as we have discussed, right? Mm-hmm. When it's out, we should be getting light. When it's not out, the sun, when the sun's not out, we shouldn't be getting as much. And at a certain point, little to none. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth is, is that we have some of the worst light pollution. There's light everywhere, mm-hmm. 24-7, mm-hmm. inside and outside, right? right? I mean, think about our homes even. If, let's not even consider what's going on out there in the streets, right? But let's think about our homes with our computers, our smartphones, you know, overhead lights, TVs. I mean, we are constantly putting light in our eyes and it is sending a particular signal to our bodies that what we should be awake, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really important, I think, that we pay attention to that, right? So again, going back to that circadian rhythm that we try to be as much in alignment with the sun as possible. Um, So we want the production of cortisol to decrease at night because it essentially keeps us awake. And dark is the thing that signals that production of melatonin and a decrease in the production of cortisol. Um, So we want that melatonin at night so we we can fall asleep. Um, so what that means basically is that once the sun goes down, we want as little artificial light as we can stand. Mm -hmm. Um, it's certainly much easier said than done because again, we're living in a world that where we are consumed by our devices, by our TV. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think ideally you can shut down those devices. You can shut down overhead lights an hour or two before bedtime, um, which can be very difficult. 
I try it every single yeah. night <laughs> and it is no, much easier hard. said than done much easier. You know, we tend to work into the night. I think there's a lot of us that feel like we're more productive at night, right? Mm -hmm. So we keep that light in our, in our face. You know, we don't sit down with a, with a, a pencil and paper and do work. We sit at our computers and we do work. Right. right? Um, But I think that it's, it is really important to, to incorporate a practice of shutting it down an hour or two before bed. And if it's really hard for you to do, start lower start with 30 minutes start with 15 minutes but do what you can do two, ideally it's two hours ideally I would say one to two hours wow I think one can be fine mm-hmm. I think one can be fine you know um and maybe maybe an hour before that you just start dimming lights okay. you know you turn off the overhead lights and you use more lamps right yeah. that that sort of thing I um, even caught myself <laughs> getting up to get water in the middle of the night or going to the bathroom and then checking my social media. (laughs) (laughs) It's like such an addiction. Such an addiction. And, you know, the truth is is that I have that issue too. You know, I definitely do. I will lay in my bed and I have to, I've been, been trying to break this habit for a while now, right? Where I will lay in my bed and I'll just be on YouTube you know, just scrolling, scrolling through, right? I mean, that's a whole other, you know, um, podcast, actually, you know, like the sort of the damage that that sort of thing does not only to our sleep, but just to our well being, you know, Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a hard habit to break. Um, Possible, but it's, it's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy. Well, I you think know. you and I, we don't help each other because we're always finding something funny and then putting it in the DMs and <laughs> right, right. And, and just going back, back and, and forth. forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so what are some um, things that we can do? Um, so trying to shut down your devices, of course. Right. Um, also, um, try to watch the sunset. Yes. You know? Um, it, the sunset actually watching the sunset actually helps suppress cortisol, right? Mm. And when cortisol is suppressed, melatonin starts, you know, coming into action, right? You know, um, it starts being produced, right? Or it can be produced more easily. Um, and that is such a beautiful, wonderful thing to do, you know? So if you have that, that, that option, right. Of watching the sunset, do it. Mm -hmm. Um, it can be really helpful, um, also getting 15 minutes of unfiltered sunlight first thing in the morning mm. is a really good way to, to kind of set your circadian rhythm. Um, this actually prompts the, the production of serotonin, nice. which mm-hmm, I know we all love serotonin, right? <laughs> um, which it does, that doesn't only help you feel better throughout the day, but it also, um, is necessary for the production of melatonin in the evening. Oh, really? again. Here's yet another layer of complexity, right? You wow. know, and there's so many more, you know, stuff that I don't even know, you know, um, but it's quite fascinating. But yes, it helps. Serotonin is necessary for the production of melatonin. So we want serotonin, you know, mm-hmm. um, and getting that 15 minutes of unfiltered uh, sunlight first thing in the morning can help with the production of serotonin. Mm-hmm. And again, can help to sort of set your, your um, set that circadian rhythm. Um also, um, decreasing blue light in the evening, especially. Okay. You can try things like wearing the blue light blockers, those ones that actually have that orange tint to them. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of them that don't have much of a, a, a tint at all. Um, your best bet is going to be 
the ones that do have that orange tint, they are not attractive at all. Right. <laughs> but at I all. think, no, not at all. Not at all. It doesn't exist a pair that is attractive. However, if you find yourself working a little bit later at night, that kind of thing, it might be might be a good idea for you to get them. And I would also try to adjust your computer as much as possible, right? Decreasing the light on your computer as much as you can. Also on your phones, you know, if you have a, a blue light filter, um, turning that on in the I evening. I think you can do it automatically. I you think can you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think mine does. Mine, yeah. mine comes on automatically. Again, it is not it does not mean that you should just be on your phone and on your computer as much as you want to, right? We still need to try to get off of them, you know, an hour or two before bedtime. But if you have to be on them, you might want to try doing some of these things just to sort of decrease that, that, that blue light. Mm-hmm. And then we're, you were talking about, are there like things we can take? Do we take like vitamins, magnesium or anything like that? So I know a lot of people, um, uh, take melatonin as a sleep aid. Yeah. Right? And, and melatonin, I think is great. And, and, you know, um, but I think we want to be careful, you know, with that. Um, there are some that, that suggest that taking it for no more than three months. Melatonin is also um, great for helping you um, fall asleep, but not necessarily stay asleep. Okay. Um, I really want to talk about magnesium because I feel like mag- magnesium is like this super mineral, right? Our bodies require magnesium for hundreds of its processes, hundreds, Mm. right? I think the latest research is indicating 600 plus processes within our, within our bodies. Yes. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, Magnesium has, has an effect on increasing serotonin. So here's Mm -hmm. serotonin again, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Remember that's really important for the production of melatonin, um, decrease cortisol. Um, it lowers adrenaline, which can mm. help you sleep. It increases melatonin <laughs> and it increases access to the parasympathetic nervous system, right? So it helps us to relax. Talking about magnesium from the perspective of sleep right now, but mm-hmm. again, like I'm, I'm sure you can understand how, how a lot of these things can just affect, again, your health overall, particularly your, your mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's, you can, you can take magnesium as a supplement, right? If you choose, um, of course, if you, if you choose to do something like that, I would check in with your doctor just to make sure yeah. magnesium is, is really interesting. And in the way that you kind of figure out how much you can take, um, or how much you need to take <laughs> is so magnesium can, can cause loose stools right? Um, <laughs> if you happen to be taking too much of it, <laughs> that's yeah. what you will, that's what you will see. Right. And so <laughs> sometimes when you're trying to, to get the proper dose, you take it until that point and then you back it up just a little bit and okay. take a little bit less so that that's not, because that is, you don't want that, you know, <laughs> so you don't you want that. Try it until you get to the oops. And then yeah, exactly. And then you're like, ah, okay. <laughs> Maybe not that much, right? But <laughs> let's let's try a little bit less. But that's also, I mean, and this is a little off the subject, but it can also help with um with constipation, right? Mm-hmm. Magnesium can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you could take it in a supplement form. Um, you can also just eat more of the foods that contain it. Mm-hmm. Um, pumpkin seeds. Pumpkin seeds are phenomenal for really? so many reasons. They contain zinc. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. 
They're great. I think omega-3s. Um, so pumpkin seeds are just a great thing to have on hand and to snack on hmm. because of, of how rich they are in, in, in vitamins and minerals. So there's magnesium in dark chocolate, um, in hmm. avocados, nuts, beans, legumes, tofu, seafood, hmm. dark leafy greens, right? So you have some options there. Um, you can, yes, yes, actually some really great options. Um, also, um, Epsom salt baths mm. is a great way to get some magnesium. Um, it's magnesium absorbed through the skin. So mm. it's an excellent way a few times a week, a couple or, you know, a few times a week, you don't have to do it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just not necessary. So, but yeah, you know, you can take a bath you know, and a bath times a week. also helps to calm you down and put you Absolutely. in a mood for a good sleep. So let's not Absolutely. forget about that either. Can, mm-hmm. can you talk about um, caffeine? And I'm asking that because I'm a coffee lover. I drink coffee mm-hmm. every single day with sugar and I also love wine. So let's mm-hmm. just talk about sugar, caffeine and, and wine. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> let's Where do would that. you like to start? <laughs> start with the sugar. Okay. Okay. That's a hard one. Um, as much as I love sugar and I love sugar, I have to shake my head at it. Mm -hmm. Um, sugar is, is what's known as an anti-nutrient, which means, you know, not only is it void of any nutritional value, but it also depletes you of certain nutrients, including magnesium, which Mm. we just learned is really important for our sleep. Right. Um, my advice would be to just try to avoid sugar. I don't think we need to dig too deep into that. Like, you know, just try to avoid sugar as much as you can, particularly the processed sugar, um, especially too close to bedtime. Okay. So you really don't want to do it too close to bedtime. Um, what do you want to talk about? Caffeine? Yes. Yes. I do. I do. I don't, but I do. (laughs) Coffee. Um, yeah, it's, it's not terrible for you. Okay. You know, especially if the coffee you drink is organic and, um, you don't load it with sugar and cream. I'm sorry. (laughs) 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 But just coffee, you know, straight up, even with the sugar and the cream, right? Like we want to be really careful about when we're consuming it, right? Because it's really about the timing. Um, So all caffeinated drinks, we should really be very thoughtful about when we are consuming them, right? Because they cause us to stay awake. When we need a pick me up, we, we reach for caffeine. Right. And so if you're having sleep issues, it's probably best to stop drinking anything with caffeine in it by, I would say, noon. OK, um, because it can be very disruptive to your sleep. It could take you longer to fall asleep. It could you know, cause some disruptions once you are asleep, that kind of thing. So try to stop your caffeine intake by noon. OK, so I, I usually have a cup in the morning when I get up and then I'll ha- maybe a cup and a half and then I'll have another one around two. So I need to cut that one out. Mm-hmm. I would suggest either cutting it out or just drinking it before, before noon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And um, what about, um, alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> Another major sleep disruptor. Oh. Um, this is really a tough one because so many people I hear all the time, they swear by their glass or two of wine or a cocktail before bed because it helps them to wind down. It helps them to, to, I hear a lot of people say it helps me to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, is actually true. 
of alcohol. It does help you to fall asleep. The problem is that it can be very disruptive to your sleep cycle, mm. um, particularly your, your, your REM sleep, which happens towards the end of, of that 90 minute sleep cycle, right? And this is the part of the cycle where we dream, right? It's that state where we're, we're almost awake, you know? Um, but this part of our sleep is believed to be very, very restorative. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that there's a lot of, because I believe that, you know, with dreams, when we dream that we're working out a lot of our emotions, right? So I feel like, you know, this, this, this stage is, is crucial to our mental health, right? And, and very necessary can kind of help us work through some of those emotional difficulties that we're having. Um, so we don't want problems with our REM sleep, (laughs) um, because that essentially can cause you, can cause you problems during, during your day. Um, and alcohol can, can be disruptive in that way. So you're not saying it's terrible to drink it at all, but try to do it before, like way before you get ready to go to bed. Yeah. Try to limit it. Um, maybe a drink or two, try to do it at least three hours before bed. Um, drink a lot of water, um, have your, your alcohol with a meal, that okay. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And okay. So you have a couple more. Yeah. Um, exercise. We okay. could talk about that really quickly. This is, I know this is a big one for you. Um, yes. But it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really great for, for resetting and regulating our circadian rhythm, right? Exercise, exercise produces cortisol, which means that it's, it's really um, important to helping us stay awake, right? Right. <laughs> um, you know, right? So it's really important to us throughout the day. But again, you know, can be really important to us at night as well. Um, I think that exercise ideally should be done early in the day, Um, maybe first thing in the morning and outdoors, right? If you're able to do it outdoors, you're kind of, you know, killing two birds with one stone. It's great, especially if you're having difficulty falling asleep, right? Again, I know that there are people who exercise in the evening. They're like, oh, I go to 24 hour fitness at, you know, midnight, this and that. And I'm fine. Okay, that's fine. You can be fine, right? But if you are, if you're having trouble sleeping, Right. This is one thing that you can, that I suggest doing. Just try it out. See, see if it helps. Okay. Move your exercise routine to the morning. Okay. I like working out in the morning. It also yeah. helps with, it also helps with my productivity at work and my mood. Absolutely. Meeting with my, my CEO on Monday mornings. It's like, oh, I already worked out. I'm great. Especially if I get mm-hmm. up and go for a hike. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. Yep. So you get the sunrise yep. and you get the, you know, just the natural air and all the mountains and everything. It's just, it's just great. I know everybody doesn't have that luxury though, but just getting outside period. Uh-huh. You could walk around the block, you know, if it's safe, yeah. you know, um, you could walk anywhere. So what about like uh, TV, social media? Should we cut that out too earlier? Um, yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, I think that, you know, um, and we've, you and I have talked about this a lot. Yeah too right and just how how watching tv i think binge viewing um has been connected to poor quality sleep and insomnia and they think that it might be because of the overstimulation right Mm. too close to bedtime and so this can really apply to something that's exciting as well as something that's disturbing right Mm. Mm -hmm. you know so it could move you in a certain direction um good or bad right that keeps you awake right Mm. um so also this, the, um, watching television while you're in bed, yep. um, particularly on a computer or tablet, 
or possibly even your phone, that's hmm. also been connected to insomnia. Um, interestingly, the, the, the same study that found it to be a problem, like watching this, watching your, uh, watching TV on your computer or tablet, um, found no link between watching TV and insomnia symptoms. Really? Um, yes. Yes. So watching TV before bed, um, insomnia and insomnia symptoms. And they think that it might have something to do with the, the proximity of the light, right? Okay. So it's a little bit, so a little bit farther away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not all up in your face. I would still qu- caution against that, that kind of exposure, even okay. at a distance. Um, I think that that light again, you know, um, you know, if it's an hour or two before bed, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, okay, maybe so maybe a show before you, before you kind of cut the TV off and, and, and just rest and relax. Um, that probably could be fine. Um, okay. But again, you know, a lot of this is about listening to, to your body, you know, what's working mm-hmm. for you, what isn't. I personally do not have a TV in my, in my bedroom. Yeah. Um, it's with good reason because it was, I found it to be disruptive. So I'd like to spend a little time talking about breathing. Okay. Um, I think that this is a really, really important one. And I feel like if this is something, you know, that, that people can, implement, it can be life changing, (laughs) right? Like if you pick one thing to do out of everything that we, that we talked about, if, you know, if you could only pick one, I would say pick the breathing. Wow. Really? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting, right? Because they, they say that one can live three weeks without food, three days without water and three minutes. Mm. Breathing is crucial for life. Right. Um, I believe that regulated breathing is crucial for a healthy life. Mm. Um, Thankfully, breathing is, is, is one of the autonomic responses that we can actually control. And I think it's really important that we do. Um, so historically, are you talking about like breath work? Like literally like I'm doing not. that as a practice or are you just talking about I'm just talking about breathing. breathing? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm just talking about, about just paying attention to, to your breaths. Right. You know, so historically speaking, the, the, the number of breaths that we take per minute has changed drastically. Um, so there are some reports that indicate that the number has more than quadrupled over the last hundred years, just sitting there taking breaths, right. Wow. We are breathing really, really rapidly and, you know, shallow rapid breathing reduces oxygenation to the blood and Mm -hmm. can cause tiredness and fatigue. It can cause breathing difficulties. It can cause weakness, panic attacks, right. And insomnia. Um, so if you think about it, rapid breathing is a signal to your brain that you're in danger. Yeah. Um, and if, if it's done regularly, it can cause all kinds of problems in our bodies, right? So slower breathing is, is, more of a signal to your brain that you're safe, Hmm. Um, you know, that you can, that you're okay, right? That you can rest, that you can, that you can relax. And so spending as much time in this, in this safety zone, like this is a place where our our bodies are able to take care of us. Um, So it becomes really important that we stay here as much as possible um, throughout the day, right? Wow. I mean, that um, just goes to show how important something similar. I know people don't, everybody doesn't love yoga, but something similar to yoga, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's supposed to be a safe practice where you're loving yourself and you're taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and you're being kind. And there's this calming music and this calming guided meditation if you do that sort of yoga. So mm-hmm. it really, this goes to show, and you're doing breath work in there as well, often. Mm-hmm. 
just goes mm-hmm. to show how, how important it is to meditate and to mm-hmm. focus on your breathing and to exercise. Mm-hmm. Well, and they, they, they say that like the most important components of things like yoga, Tai Chi is the breathing, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter how you do it. You right. know, it doesn't really matter. I think that, you know, one of the things that you can, can aim for um, just several times throughout your day is, is slowing your breath down so that you're taking about five breaths. So you have about five breath cycles per minute. Okay. Right? Um, and the essentially, cycle you mean in and out. Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah. So I would say you want your exhales to be longer than your inhales. Okay. Um, so maybe doing four seconds in, right, six seconds out. Um, you know, allowing for a kind of like that, you know, there's sort of that natural pause that happens at the bottom and the top of our, of our breath cycle. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that creates about a like 10 to 12 second breath cycle. Okay. Um, which would mean, you know, if we do the math about five, yeah. <laughs> five cycles per minute. Yeah. Right. That's ideal. If you, if you take, um, your, just take your phone out and put on, you know, set it, set your timer to one minute. Right. And just try to do do those cycles and see if you can, you know, do five cycles in that one minute. Um, part of the, the process too is really focusing on your breath. So that's why I say, take out your phone, look at your timer, right? Like take some time to take those breaths, you know, um, sort of let everything else go and just kind of pay attention to your breathing. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I think you can, sorry, it's okay. It's, it's such a form of self-love. Yes. You know, it's a, it's such a part of self-love. It's such a part of, I deserve to take this time for myself. And I think if you yes. can look at it like that, hopefully, you know, people will be more excited about doing it because it's mm-hmm. a part of self-love. Yeah. And it's free and it doesn't have to be weird. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it can be if you want it to be, because I right. know that there's a lot of methods out there <laughs> that are a little strange that I have a hard time, you know kind of grabbing a hold of it doesn't have to be that way right it can just be you and your breath you could do it all through your nose you know in through your nose out through your nose right again there are different different methods right and you know people will suggest things all day long it doesn't have to be that complicated just breathe yeah just breathe you know um and do it multiple times throughout the day you know it Mm -hmm. it it can be life-changing slow breath not too deep because again the 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 more we inhale the more it accesses that that sympathetic nervous system right so not too deep longer longer exhales than inhales you should be good you know um even trying that before you go to before you go to sleep right just spending a little bit of time focusing on your on your breathing speaking of sleep (laughs) is Mm -hmm. there is there like a bedtime routine that you have or that you suggest people should you know kind of adopt a bedtime routine is that helpful um I think that 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 bedtime routines can be super beneficial to your sleep um I mean not only do do some activities help boost the production of melatonin right again back to that it's really important decrease the production of cortisol um, but really doing the same thing every night in the same order can help your brain see those activities as really a precursor to sleep. Mm. Um, this is this is a part of the reason why I advocate for people to use their beds for sleep and sex only. Okay. Right. It just causes less confusion. You know, your brain knows that when you into bed, one of two things is going to happen, right? So okay. your, your routine, um, your bedtime routine really should take place outside of your bed and it's your prep 
for getting into bed and going to sleep. Okay. Um, it can be simple, right? Um, and really what you want, what you want to do is just incorporate activities that promote, promote rest and relaxa- relaxation, right? Mm-hmm. Self-care activities are great. Um, so it's really, it's really up to you what you want to do, right? And a lot of us already have nightly routines. Uh-huh, I do. Right? Yeah. You know, um, so it's not that you necessarily need to, to implement anything, but maybe that you need to remo- remove a few things. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? maybe your bedtime routine as it is, as it stands is good enough. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. fine. Um, what do you do? Can I ask? Yeah, I, um, so of course I do the regular things like you take a shower, wash my face, brush my teeth, floss, um, do my hair, what little I have, you know, left, you know, I struggle with alopecia, but I still try to take care of what's left, Mm -hmm. um, on a nightly basis. And then, um, I do, I put on soft music or I'll listen to Mm -hmm. a podcast before I go to bed, but Mm -hmm. then there's that social media that creeps in where I'm like, oh, I recorded Mm -hmm. some things I can make a reel. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like, reels take a minute you really mm-hmm. want to start making a reel right now and then you get caught up in that and you look up and it's 12 30 or mm-hmm. you know it's one o'clock and my bedtime I set my timer for 10 30 p.m mm-hmm. that gives me 30 minutes you know to wind down and do all the things that I need to do and try to get in the bed by 11 11 15 but that social media always creeps in on me. Mm-hmm. It's just become a part of your routine, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing so much that is right, right? And that's, that's working for you with regards to, to your sleep, right? Um, it's just about establishing new habits, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's I, I make it sound like it's simple. It's not, you know, I know it's not, but it's also not something that you want to condemn yourself about. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you just kind of just sort of let it be, sometimes it just goes away, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you don't spend a whole bunch of time focusing on it. Right. Because again, like it, you're, it sounds like you're doing so much that is right. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yay. Um, yeah. So, you know, don't, don't, um, don't go in on yourself because of, because of the one thing that you think you're doing, you're doing wrong. Right. Um, you just sort of established it, have established it as something that's regular and normal for you to do. You just kind of have to undo that, you know? Awesome. Well, it's good to know that I'm doing some things right. So I got to focus on that social media and then I'm, I should be good to go. <laughs> what, <laughs> what are some other things that people might incorporate? Um, so again, anything that's, that's relaxing, anything that, that kind of tends to, to you, right. Um, journaling is great. Um, the breathing, deep, slow breathing is great. Meditating, um, some light stretching. You don't want to do too much. So you don't want to do like a whole yoga class before you, before you go to bed. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but just some light stretching. Um, yeah. Simple okay. things like that. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be, again, it doesn't have to be complex. And actually journaling can be really, really great if you are struggling with anxiety, mm-hmm. um, you know, just sort of doing like a kind of like a, a, a brain dump, right? What's worrying you? What's, what's on your mind? What, what happened today? Right. Just kind yeah. of letting all of that stuff go, you know, putting pen to paper and just letting some of that stuff go before you, before you sleep so that you don't carry it with you, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, into your, into your sleep. 
Yeah, that's one thing that I do also after work or before I close down from work, I dump mm-hmm. everything out of my brain onto either my pad or the computer or I'll I'll send an email to myself that says things to do. Like if I don't want to go and try to find somewhere to put it, I'll just be like things to do. And I'll just type all these things and then I'll send it to myself. And that'll be an email that I open the next day. But I don't want to, I don't want to leave work with that on my mind. Mm -hmm. And I just try to leave it there because that can be anxiety provoking. And I don't, I don't need that. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you mentioned that. These are all so great. It's just, it's so great to talk about these things with you. And I hope that people are able to take away some nuggets some gems that they can incorporate into their, in their way of living. And right. Cause this is a way of living. Like sleep hygiene is really a huge part of the way that we do life. And we need to do this with quality. And mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of the things that you listed and that, that you talked about in this episode are going to be really good for people, you know, who listen to the podcast and hey guys share the podcast out. I think especially this episode is it's just really great for, for people who didn't really know what sleep hygiene even meant, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a new term, but it's a term that's newer for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, I appreciate you being here. Is there, I, I don't know if, um, if there's any social media way that people can keep in touch with you or if, um, you know, if you have a website or anything like that. And if not, you know, I can always put it in the show notes later where people can find you. I know you're working on a lot of really great things like your retreat is coming up. You're working on your beautiful journaling boxes. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, really excited to, to share that with people when those are ready. So if it, if not now, then I can definitely update, update the show notes later and put your Yeah, No, I, I appreciate that for sure. But you know, um, I am building, you know, I've got a lot yeah. of, of really exciting and great things on the, on the horizon. Um, yeah. So absolutely at some point, you know, yeah. um, okay. I would appreciate that. But for now, you know, I just, you know, I wish everybody the best um, yeah. and, you know, hope that everybody can get their, their, their sleep hygiene right yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and really get some good sleep. You know, it's, it's so important. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today on GYSB Talks. And GYSB Talks with Beautiful Intentions sounds so great. It was so befitting for this podcast. And I'm so looking forward to having you on additional podcasts in the future with me because I know that you have such a wealth of knowledge just around mm-hmm. healthy living thank and you. mind, body, and spirit and emotional you know, intelligence and emotional health. So I'm excited to do more of these with you, my sister. Same, 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 same. (laughs) All right, everybody. Until next time, GYSB Talks with Carla Palmer. I will see you guys later. Follow me on Instagram if you want. I'm at GYSB Movement. And until then, we'll talk to you guys later. Take care. All content on this podcast and any linked blog, podcast, webinar, course, or video material is created and produced for informational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health advice. The information is general and may not be suitable for your personal circumstances or complete health objectives. Do not use this content as a standalone resource to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease for therapeutic purposes 
or as a substitute for the advice of a health professional. Never delay seeking advice or disregard the advice of a medical professional based on our content here on this podcast. If you have questions or concerns about your health or medical condition, please seek guidance from a medical professional. Hey, sis, hey, (laughs) welcome to GYSB Talks, episode five, woo I get more excited every week, you guys. Listen, today's episode I'm super excited about. It was inspired by my incredible weekend with my family. And I'm not talking about my biological family, like my mom, my brothers, and my sisters. No, I'm talking about the family that we created years ago right here in L.A., when three moms, Barbara, Carla, and Kim, of three high school boys, right, Adam, JP, and Corey, we realized how much we needed each other's support and how our children, they needed us and they needed each other. Like, we realized that as we continued with this family dinner that I'm about to tell you about. So when I think about GYSB and the GYSB movement and healthy living, I cannot stress to you how important strong sisterhood and being a great mom means to me, okay? I've been a single mom since my son was born, never got married, haven't been great at relationships yet, Um, and my immediate family, they live in Oklahoma, and my son and I live in Los Angeles. So the need for me for a close family unit in LA has always been really important. And I'm blessed to have had a lot of success in building strong relationships with some beautiful, powerful women who I can trust and call sisters and family. And I can honestly say like it has played a huge role in my mental health and stability. I do consider myself somewhat of a loner, but I don't discount the importance of having sister friends who are like family. So that's important to me because it's not easy being a single mom in L.A. It's not easy being a mom raising a son in L.A. Um, But music and church and sports, they really helped my son stay grounded when he was in middle school and high school. And, you know, he also saw that I had really good friendships Now, Barbara and Kim, I'm sure they would agree about, you know, music and sports and church and synagogue because Barbara is Jewish and her kids went to synagogue. But I'm sure they would agree that especially sports really helped our kids stay grounded because it gave them something to do. And sports is where our sons, JP, Adam and Corey became friends because they all played on the same high school basketball team. And as supportive moms, We were at as many games as we could possibly attend. Now, we were busy, you know, we had work, we had other things going on, but we really did try to make the basketball games. And we connected at the basketball games, and soon we started looking for each other and saving seats for each other and sharing treats with each other. And then one day, we found each other at Barbara's dinner table. Barbara was and is an amazing chef. I'm talking Master Chef season seven, dishing and plating for Wolfgang Puck and Gordon Ramsay. Amazing. She's literally been on Master Chef. This lady can make anything. And it's always creative, it's always flavorful, and there's always plenty. So 
the kids certainly weren't complaining about coming to family dinner every Wednesday night from seven to nine. Um, our kids were ninth grade, 10th grade and 11th grade. Right. And so, um, they would do homework while Barbara would cook. And then Kim and I would sit around the table or I'm sorry, around the counter at the kitchen table. And we would have wine while she was cooking the food and our much needed girl talk and the discussions that we couldn't have at the dinner table with the kids because they were a little bit too juicy and we didn't, you know, we wanted to be appropriate when we finally sat down with the kids, but it was a much needed girl time for us. And then when dinner would, would, would be ready, the kids would come in, they would get the dishes, they would set the table, they would get the water and the glasses, and then we would all come together and we would eat. And let me tell you, from the first family dinner, we realized it was something we didn't even know we needed so much. We were dedicated, hardworking moms with stressful jobs, trying to stay afloat, trying to stay grounded. We were dating and in relationships, and we were really involved in our kids' lives. And we really needed each other as sounding boards and oftentimes shoulders to cry on. It was wonderful. Family dinner was a safe space for everybody, for the kids, for the adults. Um, and when I say kids, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, I'm talking about my son, his friend Corey, and Adam. And then Barbara had another child, Zoe, a daughter. And then Zoe's friend would come. And then eventually Kadase came. And um, Chris was there, Barbara's nephew, who's in his 30s. So it ended up being like 11 people. And so when I say kids, I'm talking about the boys and I'm talking about the girls, Zoe and Hannah, who were younger. And then sometimes Kim's younger daughter would come too. So there were a number of, number of us. And so when I say kids, that's what I mean. Um, during dinner every week, we implemented this mindfulness exercise or a reflection tool, if you want to call it that. And, you know, it's called Rose Thorn Bud, RTB is what we called it. And we implemented this to ensure everyone at the table was heard, celebrated, supported, and encouraged. And so it, I don't know if you're familiar with Rose Thorn Bud, but let me tell you what they all mean. So a rose is a highlight or a success it could be a small win or something positive that happened, okay? So it's already happened. A thorn is a challenge or something you might need support with, right? Um, and a bud is a new idea or a project or something that you're really looking forward to, you're excited about, all right? So that's RTB, rose, thorn, bud. And everybody had to participate. It couldn't be one-word responses. No, you really had to talk about what your rose was, what your thorn was, and what your bud was. And even if you were in a funky mood, right? Because you know how kids are. Sometimes they in a funky mood, but we were like, okay, you still got to go. You still have to go. Um, and there was always, you know, congratulations on the rose and support and strategies and encouragement on the thorn if they wanted it. Um, nothing was ever really unsolicited. We would always, you know, be mindful of them maybe not needing any feedback for the thorn, but really just sharing. And then we'd have questions about the bud because that was also really exciting because this was something that they were looking forward to. And the great thing about the bud is it would be something that was coming up possibly 
that we could all support, like a basketball game or a play because the girls did theater and Kadase did theater or a rap performance because my son's a rapper and Adam is his DJ and Corey also raps too now. Um, or an event because Barbara was a caterer and I'm a fundraiser, right? And so with the bud, it was always like, okay, is this something that we can go to? Is this something that we could actually be physically present for? That would really make this a lot more exciting um, with the kids or with each other. It was absolutely amazing. I can honestly say um, those years of family dinner, you know, consistently every Wednesday blessed us in so many ways in friendship as parents our confidence and self-worth evolved we supported each other with serious life events and relationship challenges and breakups and illnesses and work stress and work transitions we were there and you know it really boosted our sense of belonging because we created this beautiful ritual that was special to all of us, even the kids with the funky attitude who acted like they didn't want to come and do no rose thorn bud, but they really did. And I think it's really safe to say that family dinner encouraged us, you know, our kids to avoid unhealthy behaviors like unsafe unsafe sex and excessive drinking and harmful drug use and it was really great for everybody everybody at that table it was great for our mental health and it continues to be an impact in our lives and our kids lives right now today and I'm gonna tell you this family dinner y'all family dinner didn't end until all the kids had graduated high school And Barbara was off to medical school at 56. And that's a whole separate inspiring episode that we'll do soon on the podcast. So make sure you stay here. Make sure you're following GYSB and stay looped in so you don't miss that exciting episode. But the importance of family dinner cannot be understated. We still have family dinner group chat where we continue the RTB. And some of our kids, guys, some of our kids have even started family dinner in college with an RTB component. The same kids that was often sitting at that table acting like they didn't want to do RTB, but they liked it. And they have implemented this in college with their college friends. It's really, really cool. We're all proud mamas. We provided this space for our kids where they could feel safe and loved and listened to. And it really, I believe, it helped them socialize as competent, kind, and compassionate human beings, which is what we all want for our kids. And at the same time, over those challenging years for us, right, me, Barbara, and Kim as parents and women trying to find our way and trying to find our purpose And trying to find our value, like what do we have to offer the world, we were able to be there for each other in a safe and loving way. And that was really important to us. And I'm so happy that we still have each other's backs to this day. Strong sisterhood is so important to our mental health. Even when you consider yourself a loner like me, it's important to your mental health. And I want to encourage any woman listening to this podcast to implement family dinner or if you don't have kids or you don't have any kids living in your house anymore because they're all grown and they've all left the nest, then do a sister dinner. 
And it doesn't have to be weekly. If you don't have the time to commit to a weekly one, then maybe it's once a month. But choose a frequency that you can commit to and be sure, don't forget, to add an RTB component and do it every time. Because I'm telling you, when you have that RTB component, you'll find so much value in that exercise with your family or with your girlfriends. Um, And you'll find new ways that you can pour into each other and support each other. It's really, really awesome. Guys, it's been so great sharing this little piece of my life and my journey with you. And I hope that it has been eye-opening or or it, at least inspiring for you. And I want to know. I want to know what you thought about this episode. I want to know if you've tried something like this. Are you familiar with RTB? Have you done it before? What does it feel like? Has it been helpful? I'm going to do a, a Q&A section here on the podcast and you can answer the question there. But I want you to engage. Let me know what you think. Let me know how this epi- episode uh, felt to you. Did it resonate with you? I want to know. Um, so don't forget. Last thing, follow GYSB Talks. Follow GYSB Talks podcast. We're also on Apple Podcasts. And then share the podcast with your friends. This will help me grow. This will help me reach more women. This will help me have more beautiful, strong, awesome women on this journey to leveling up in wellness. It's a journey that never ends. I always say that. And I know you know that. Because there's ebbs and flows to this whole thing, this whole journey we call life. But we want to do it in the best way that we possibly can. And my hope is that this podcast will help women feel encouraged, give them tips, life hacks. Again, I'm going to have people to come on as guests and they'll help all of us, you know, with this, this journey called life and leveling up in wellness. So share it out, share it out, follow the podcast. We'll continue to level up together. And until next time, take care, sis. All right? Take care of yourself. I'll see you next time. GYSB, baby.